The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. How will a newly divided America impact Wall Street and the economy? We're digging into the results of Tuesday's midterm elections and their implications on this week's edition of The Views Room, a weekly conversation among Breaking Views columnists about the ups and downs of the world of finance. I'm Jennifer Saba, and I'm here with Anthony Curry. Welcome, Anthony. Hi, Jen. All right. So the Democratic Party won control of the House of Representatives and picked up eight state governorships while Republicans tightened their grip on the Senate. Now Democrats have the chance to play offense and set some of the agenda in Washington after spending the past eight years as the opposition party in Congress. On the phone from D.C. is our political correspondent, Gina Chan. Hi, Gina. Hey, guys. Um, Okay, so Gina, why don't you just kind of briefly explain this election process, um, how it works. The House is every two years and then pick it up from there. Yeah, so every seat in the 435-member House was up for a vote um, on Tuesday. So, as you say, we did see uh, the Democrats take the majority, and uh, they could expand it even further. There's about a dozen races that still have yet to be called and are close, but they are leading in some of them. Um, And then the Senate is every six years, so they're a bit more scattered in terms of uh, how many uh, seats they uh, have to vote on um, on each election cycle. So this time around, there were 35 seats, and uh, Democrats, or uh, I should say Republicans, expanded their majority by maybe uh, three or so seats. There's also a a couple races that are still too close to call uh, in that chamber as well. So, Gina, kind of briefly explain to us the results of um, the election that that we know so far and what this kind of means. Like, set it up uh, in terms of um, the Democrats gaining control of the House. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of good news and bad news for both of the parties. Um, the Democrats uh, gaining control of the House again is a big win for them and uh, will allow them to um, set the agenda in that chamber. That includes taking over all the committees, which have a lot of power, including uh, subpoena power, that uh, could make life very difficult for Trump and the White House. Um, We expect investigations into his tax returns, his business dealings, possibly ramping up the... um, probe into Russian election meddling from the 2016 campaign. So a whole host of um, various things that they could do to really ratchet up the pressure on Trump and um, really destabilize the White House because they will be spending all their time sort of blocking and tackling on that front. That's all fair and good. But when it comes to day to day governing, as it were, you've now got a split Congress for the first time um, under Trump. So doesn't this make governing even more difficult? I mean, normally this means deadlock, gridlock, and yet the markets are up a bit this morning. I don't think so much that we think it definitely means they love the election results. Um, Is it really just going to be two years of grinding against Trump from the Democrats? I mean, that's not going to play too well if they want to pick up more of the uh, vote in 2020, is it? Yeah, they do have to be careful and not overplaying their hand and making the president look like a victim because of all of their investigations. Um, We have seen, though, in the past where a divided uh, government can produce um, actually uh, useful legislation. We saw that under 
uh, Bill Clinton, um, where he managed to produce a budget surplus with the help of a divided Congress. Um, and we've seen it in, in past administrations as well. Um, we'll see what happens uh, this time around. Um, Nancy Pelosi, the presumed Speaker of the House for the Democrats, talked a lot about bipartisanship. Um, Trump, in a press conference uh, after the elections, also talked about that. But he also said he would blame the Democrats if they start all these investigations and government grounds to a halt, and that that would really sort of cut off any goodwill he would have in terms of cooperation. So, Gina, um, one thing that I think could be on the agenda is infrastructure. And this is, you know, something that given that um, President Trump's background is a builder, and our country's desperate need for more infrastructure would be one of the main things that they should kind of push forward. I mean, what do you think the chances are of a comprehensive infrastructure package actually getting through Washington? Well, the interesting thing on the infrastructure front is that uh, Trump's own party will probably be uh, the ones that are more skeptical about any sort of infrastructure plan. They want something that's much less ambitious than what the president wants. He laid Mm -hmm. out a plan that has a $1 trillion price tag that's along the lines of what Democrats would also like to see um, in terms of spending. Republicans are more in the sort of, you know, 200 million, 300 million range. And some of them are actually, um, if, if you believe it, are still worried about uh, the U.S. fiscal picture. The mm. deficit is expected to go to a trillion dollars already uh, in 2019. An infrastructure bill would, you know, push that up even farther. So um, it, it's in this case, it's actually the Republicans that may be the ones that um, stop that from going forward. So, how, I mean, you mentioned that the fiscal picture, and obviously it's getting worse because of the tax cuts of 2017. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of trickle down economics means that if it does work, the trickle down into the economy will be slow. Um, there's no more chance of tax cuts. No, Trump was dangling um, some middle class tax cuts in the run up to the election, uh, which, of course, now will never happen, at least not in the next Congress. So what happens with the deficit? You've now got a party that didn't want the tax cuts in control of one house you've got the republicans in charge of the senate what happens in with trying to control spending or in sorting out you know, how much the government can borrow will, will that be affected now do you think yeah, I mean, I, I think there is potential for um, for the deficit to go up even further. Um, the Democrats uh, want to see more spending on certain social programs. Um, we have uh, the Farm Bill also coming up, um, which also then deals with food stamps and, and other assistant programs. Uh, so there is potential for um, for spending to be increased, which is partly why uh, the deficit has gone up so much in addition to the tax cuts. Uh, now, Republicans have also uh, ramped up spending, particularly in the military. So, you know, could you see any sort of uh, compromises on that front? I mean, it's hard to see with someone like President Trump who likes to brag about how uh, strong the U.S. military is. So it's I, I think both parties in, in this case, um, even, even with the Republicans saying they're concerned about the deficit, uh, are not actually going to be that um, serious about the fiscal picture. Great. So we're going to probably have more government spending and, and fewer government receipts. Excellent. Um, yes. <laughs> now, let's, one of the things, obviously, that, that, that we looked at a lot during um, the election campaign and beforehand was the whole issue of trade wars. And that seems to have played out 
in a couple of interesting respects in election. But in general, you know, you've got uh, if you look at the governorship governor races, um, the Democrats basically regained the Midwest, didn't they? Um, in the governorships, at least in Michigan, Illinois, and Wisconsin, where Scott Walker, intriguingly, we get to him in a minute, he lost. What does that tell us, if anything, about how the trade wars have impacted? people's views of the Trump administration, given that the economy itself has actually been doing pretty well for the past few years. Yeah, it's. Uh, you would have thought Republicans would have had an easier time all around uh, because unemployment's at a record 49-year low at 3.7 percent. You know, we see great jobs numbers every month, so they had a lot to run on. But uh, Trump spent the last few weeks spending much more time on sort of cultural issues that divide the country, whether it's trying to play on voter fears about illegal immigrants and this caravan coming through Mexico, heading for the U.S. border. Uh, or, or things sort of related to that. Um, and so you saw some of that play in some of these races. Um, with the Midwestern states, they have been very worried about Trump's tariffs. Um, in Wisconsin, it became actually pretty personal because Harley-Davidson is based there. They were targeted by both um, the European Union and uh, and the Chinese and others for retaliatory tariffs. Trump also uh, called for a boycott of the company because uh, they then said they might move some production overseas. So it became a, a big issue. And the um, Democratic gubernatorial candidate, Tony Evers, uh, accused Governor Scott Walker of not standing up to the president when it comes to these tariffs and not standing up for Wisconsin. And uh, in a close race, those kinds of things uh, can tip the balance. Right. So, I mean, Gina, given what we saw in the Midwest and in a couple other places, I think you know, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Oklahoma, there were uh, moves because of trade, we think, against Republicans. Republicans in Congress were already thinking about whether they should try and curtail some of the president's powers on trade wars, right? So um, given that they've um, lost a few uh, key seats and governorships, and given that the, Repub- the Democrats probably would also like to curtail powers, well, could we see some congressional moves on that front, do you think? We, we could. Um, the problem is with uh, the Democrats in control of the House, um, they're actually, as a party, much more on the same page as the president is than a lot of Republicans are. And they're the ones who have been uh, critical of NAFTA. They uh, urged a pullout of the TPP, which, which Trump did, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership with uh, countries in Asia and elsewhere. Um, so they're sort of more on the same page. Now, of course, they would be interested in reigning in any of Trump's powers, but at least when it comes to trade, he might find more of an ally in the Democrats than with his own party. Um, so, Gina, what are some of the other things that you expect Democrats to put forth on the agenda? Besides, you know, obviously like infrastructure and trade. Um, they, I think they will try to go for um, some sort of immigration um, reform program. Uh, again, trying to address the question of dreamers, the young people here who were given immunity, if you will, under the Obama administration and, and Trump has rescinded. Um, so that's uh, something that could be on the table. Um, they'll probably also try to do things to strengthen Obamacare. Um, some of the things that got 
cut during the Republican um, tax legislation. They will probably try to reinstate. Um, now all the, these things face challenges from the Republicans and from Trump. So we'll see how far they get. But they are, um, you know, good campaign issues. And then, you know, in the end, besides the uh, investigations, this question is that's still looming is whether they move to impeach the president, which is a big uh, question for them to tackle and one that has both uh, risks and benefits. What about Wall Street reform, Gina? What do, what do you think will happen there? We've seen some bipartisanship in Congress um, earlier this year on reforming some of the Dodd-Frank rules in 2010. What should Wall Street be looking forward to or fearing from, I mean, Maxine Waters, who's not a fan of Wall Street, now running the financial, House Financial Services Committee? Yeah, that's probably the biggest risk for Wall Street is her uh, chairmanship of the House Financial Services Committee. That means she has control of the schedule. She can call hearings, um, you know, ask them for documents, have the chief executives come for uh, to appear before Congress. So there's a lot uh, that she can do. And she hasn't been shy about how she feels about some of the firms. She's already called for Wells Fargo to be broken up or shut down. She is suspicious of Deutsche Bank's um, lending relationship with the president and and possible Russian involvement. Uh, She's talked about recidivist banks and criticized JP Morgan and Citigroup uh, as part of that. Uh, So there's a lot that um, they could fear, uh, much less from actual legislation, because the Republicans in the Senate will probably not be on board with her on a lot of these things. But um, but definitely just in terms of, you know, putting the spotlight back on them, which I would think they would not welcome. Do you think there's a chance of any more reforms that Wall Street would like, given that enough Democrats were willing to work with Republicans earlier this year? Yeah, I think that would be tough now because a lot of those uh, moderate Democrats in the Senate who uh, supported the um, the deregulatory bill for some of the regional banks um, actually lost in the midterm elections. That includes Heidi Heitkamp uh, and, and others. So I think um, that might be a, a tough thing for them to do, at least on a bipartisan basis. I mean, right. they, they could try um, on... Um, on a a party basis, but they still don't have enough uh, to beat a filibuster. So it would probably be a tough haul for them now. Okay. So Gina, before we let you go, what is one thing that really jumped out at you uh, about the results? I mean, is there anything that you can kind of point to that sort of is shocking or that kind of talks about the trend going forward with politics in America? Well, there was all this talk about a a blue wave um, for uh, the midterm elections, and you definitely saw the Democrats make gains in the House. But in the Senate, they had uh, some really troubling results, and it just shows that um, with the president and some of his um, more inflammatory sort of campaign issues like on illegal immigrants, um, it really did uh, make a difference with voters. And you saw a whole host of um, Senate senators on the moderate side uh, face a lot of troubles because of that, whether it's uh, Claire McCaskill in Missouri, I mentioned yeah. Senator Heidi Heitkamp um, and others. And so um, <laughs> that could be troubling for them when it comes to the 2020 race, that that message uh, still resonates. And the Democrats aren't able to sort of get out the vote and energize their own base, um, they could face, you know, another sort of deja vu of 2016 and uh, four more years of a Trump presidency. 
All right, so go get some rest, Gina. Thanks for your time. (laughs) Thanks, guys. That's our show for this week. Thanks again to Gina for sharing her encyclopedic knowledge about the U.S. elections this year. And hats off to our producers, Andrew D'Antonio and Freddie Joyner. Final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com and subscribe to The Views Room on iTunes. And don't forget to tune in next week for another edition. 